Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome, welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock, your host. Happy Wednesday uh, to you and yours. Uh, we have a special edition of uh, Fearless with Jason Whitlock today. It's going to be all uh, Tennessee Harmony uh, today. Uh, we have a special topic. We got guys in town. Delano Squires is in town. Dave Shannon's in town. Uh, Pastor Anthony Walker is always in town. And so we're happy to have him here on this Wednesday afternoon to have some uh, Tennessee Harmony discussion. We're going to bring in Shamika Michelle as well from North Carolina because we're going to get a little bit more provocative uh, and in-depth today, hopefully, uh, on Tennessee Harmony. Uh, we're going to take advantage of Delano and Dave Shannon being in town and have a conversation that we think is pertinent to what's going on with black people. Uh, here in America, and is there a uh, culture war being waged among, in my view, black men and single women, single black women in particular? Are we on the same team? Do we have the same agenda? Is there a battle between men that believe in the patriarchy and women who believe in the matriarchy? Can the patriarchy and the matriarchy coexist? Can there be two heads? Uh, the movie The Woman King ends on what I think feminists or women would find a, a hopeful note with uh, <clears throat> King Gasos inviting uh, General Naniska, the 57-year-old woman king warrior who was slain men, uh, Viola Davis, he, he uh, King Gaso saw this 57-year-old woman beat down all these men and said, I got to share power with her. Uh, and so the movie, that movie, The Woman King, kind of symbolizes and crystallizes, I think, what we have now uh, see as the uh, ideal situation for black men and black women, a sharing of leadership, a sharing of power, uh, the hope, the belief that uh, everybody, can find their Michelle Obama, and everybody can, uh, you know, coexist with an equal partnership and relationship. So I wanted to have that discussion in detail uh, with these guys, and we will do that today. Uh, at the end of our discussion, uh, I'm also going to interview uh, Bryson Gray, uh, the rapper uh, that has made a lot of noise. He's a very conservative Christian rapper. He's from Murfreesboro, Tennessee. He's going to join me here in studio for an interview that we will end this version of uh, Fearless with. But we're going to start today with uh, Tennessee Harmony. Uh, before I ask Anthony to pray, I'm going to take care of a little business so we can 
just have full reign with our discussion. I want to tell you guys about my good friends at Good Ranchers, Halloween right around the corner. And if you need a scary story to tell someone to make them lie awake at night, just tell them uh, about their grocery store meat and what it's wearing as a costume, product of the USA label. It's actually from overseas. That store-bought meat can be tainted from scary bacteria, and because it's imported, you don't know where it's actually coming from, and the cost, don't even get me started on those frightening inflated prices. You know who doesn't have spooky meat, though? <laughs> My good friends at Good Ranchers, they deliver America's best meat and seafood to you year-round. Right now, they're throwing a huge October feast where you can get over four pounds of meat for free, two pounds of their Wagyu ground beef, and two and a half pounds of their better than organic chicken for free with any purchase of one of their bundle boxes. Treat yourself this Halloween and head on over to GoodRanchers.com fearless to claim your special October feast offer today. Good Ranchers lets you save $25 on every box and locks in your price when you subscribe. Put an end to your terrifying meat buying experience by visiting GoodRanchers.com fearless to get over four free pounds of high quality beef and chicken. The real monster isn't in your closet. It's at your local grocery store. Take control of your food with October feast from Good Ranchers, American meat delivered. You guys know what good fearless soldiers do. They, feel, they feed their troops Good Ranchers because Good Ranchers supports me, you, and our way of life. Mm. All right, I've handled the business. Anthony, take care of the real business and uh, bless this conversation before we get started. Let's pray. Father God, we're thankful for this day and all the blessings that you've given up to us. Father, we pray for this discussion. The subject matter is uh, very important to our culture. And Father, we pray that what we say uh, is pleasing and acceptable in your sight and reflective of your will for mankind. Father, we're thankful for this opportunity and platform. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, Shamika, I'm going to let you get us rolling. We'll go ladies first here uh, just to get the conversation started. A am I right for sensing that there is a disconnect, a war, uh, between black men and single black women? Is there a battle between people that have a patriarchal view of, of life and people that have a matriarchal view of life? Am I right for thinking that? I think so, but I don't think that it's intentional for everyone. I think for the most part, black men love black women and black women love black men. I think the problem is because some of the ideals and thoughts that have been pushed on us for so many years conflict our very nature. So when you have people pushing that women should be in charge and women are buying into that, I think for a lot of men, especially the ones that want to be obedient to their nature, Nature and know their purpose here in this earth realm, that's going to create conflict and create a problem. And I think where we fail is in verbalizing that in a good way between each other. And so it comes out a lot as, you know, arguments or hate or, you know, just being resentful because we haven't really had the space to have that conversation in, in, in its entirety. She makes an interesting point that I, I want to start because I, I talk about this all the time. I agree with her that there is shared love. 
I think our issue is, do we know how to love each other? And that's, you know, you hear people all the time say, I love you. But do we define love the same way? And it goes back to a conversation we were having last week, Anthony, about being equally yoked and a biblical worldview on love and how to love each other. And that's where I think the struggle is. I do think there's genuine affection and love, but I think there's a disconnect on how we express and show that love. I absolutely agree. How we define love now uh, is not anywhere close to where the Bible defines love. The Bible defines love uh, in terms of giving, sacrifice, truth. Uh, We define love based on how I feel and based on your agreement with me. So once you start to make me feel bad, you don't love me. Or if you share with share with me the truth and that truth bothers me, well, you don't love me or you don't agree with how I see things. You don't love me. And love biblically is different from what we define now today as far as all the feelings and subjective stuff that that goes on. Dave? Yeah, yeah, I was trying to think about if I can actually say that black men love black women. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was thinking about that because if, a black, if, if I came into your room and you told me I love this thing, let's say it's a, a tennis racket, and I hate that thing and it's a baseball bat, but both of them are being treated the exact same, I don't really know what you mean by love. Mm. Mm. So Mm. the way that black men have said that they love black women, but the way that they treat them, they don't stay married to them. They don't have children with them and raise them in the fear and admonition of the Lord. They don't make sure that they take the hits for them and make sure they can be moms that stay at home. I'm trying to figure out what they mean by they love them. So I don't know. It's hard for me to see, like you were just talking mm-hmm. about, that expression of love. Um, love dies for another person, yes. mm. right? The perfect example of love is Christ. Now you tell me you love black people, go die for that woman. Go give up your admiration, the things that you want to do with your life, the things that you want to progress, give that up so that you can uh, take care of a home and raise it. Let her cultivate an environment where she raises human beings. And I'm not seeing that in the community that I love so much. I'm not seeing black men love black women. I'm seeing them treat them like they're the, the very thing that they hate. So I don't I don't understand. I don't know if I can honestly say that, that they love black women because they're not treating them like they love them. Two way street. I mean, is are we being loved properly or, or, or any response to any of that, Delano? Mm, that, that, he yeah, laid not, out a mouthful. Not, <laughs> not took it in a different direction. than I was going to say, but I mean, I think I think the evidence is there if you want to judge it objectively. I mean, we talk a lot about the culture. Um, the types of images that we promote, um, that we put out into the world. Um, if, if a person wants to hear a black woman being degraded and called a B or H, mm. they turn on BET, not Fox News. Um, so for as much Oof. as people talk about, you know, oh, you know, conservatives hate white, uh, black people and so on and so on and so forth. I mean, all of the ways that young kids, particularly young black men, learn, um, you know, or are or, or discipled to degrade and disrespect black women, they get it from black media. Um, I remember one of the things that I've talked about before is for people who are of my generation, BET used to have a show called BET Uncut, which they would run late, late at night. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's back in my pre-save days, uh-huh. right? Sure. <laughs> and um, that, that, this Nelly video used to come on, Tip Drill. 
And it was was like every video in the 2000s, a bunch of women scantily clad, walking, running around. And there was one point, I'll never forget it, when Nelly took a credit card and slid it down a woman's backside and she started to shake it like a like an ATM machine and money mm. was about to fall out. And that to me, is, that speaks to degradation. That's disrespect. That's, that's not love in today's point. Um, if, if a man loved a woman, he'd say, before I give you a baby, I'm going to give you my last name. But to your point, there needs to be reciprocity there. Um, and I don't see that reciprocity. And I think a big part of it is that our identity, as sort of our cultural identity, has been overtaken by politics. Hmm. And the, the, the party that most black people support, um, you know, the Democratic Party, is functionally a, a gynocracy. It is, it is a hyper-matriarchy in which women lead, men follow. The, the men that are platform tend to be homosexual or, or identify as LGBTQ. And the, the few heterosexual men that are allowed to have a voice in that, in that Might party. Might as well be. <laughs> some some might, as, might as well be. But the others who are not have to bend the knee to those other two groups because the, the party's entire apparatus, it, it says we hate the patriarchy. We, we think masculinity is toxic. Every four years, we'll come around to your neighborhood because we need your votes. But outside of that, we really have no use for you. And the degree to which that party has elevated black women and told them, that you don't need black men. They've done that through policy. They'll say, you don't need him. We'll be your husband and the father to your children. And now they're doing it through rhetoric. And that's how you get you know, uh, MSNBC hosts talk, telling black men to get in line behind <laughs> black women and vote for Stacey Abrams. Or that's how you get you know, other women. Black women save democracy, right? So if black women save democracy in 2020, then what did a black man do? Well, he was a damsel in distress. We saved him, too, because that's what we do. So the entire creation order is out of whack. And that is in in policy, politics, culture, media. Um, And I think we're seeing the fruit of that. What you know, we're we're reaping that harvest. Um, And in general, and this is how it always works. Both my grandfathers were men on the land. You you reap later and you reap greater. So Mm. the, the, the seed is small. Yeah. But the harvest is bountiful but this is not the type of fruit anybody wants to consume. And that's facts. The, 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 when I hear Dave's description of like, hey, there's no evidence that black men love black women. The, 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 where my mind goes, and this is where I, Anthony or any of you guys help me out, doesn't all love start with self-love? Do, do you not, no, and so, I'm, go ahead, please help me out. Oh, this is going. <laughs> so, so John, John, John tells us that we learn to love because he first loved us. Amen. So before I have any concept of what love is, I have to come to know God to understand what love is. He then teaches me how to, because of how he treats me, I need to take care of what God has given me. But if I don't have a relationship with God, and I don't have a right relationship with who I am in his kingdom, I can't love anybody. I, can't, I can like you very well. I can have, you know, I can try to protect and, and, you know, take care of you, feel good about your welfare. But love in its biblical understanding, look at what God d- did for us. Coming down to this world in flesh, 
taking on flesh, dying for us. Mm -hmm. If I don't know what that means, I'm not going to know how to deal with you when things get tough. But okay, but let me rephrase the question then, because obviously I do believe it starts with gotcha. a love of God. But if there is no love of God, do you really know yourself so that you can properly love yourself and then share a love or shower a love on someone else? I'm a, all I'm saying is you won't get any further than self-preservation. I think mm. that's where we, that's innate in human nature. We want to preserve ourselves. But to understand the depth of love and what that means, I got to know him. Yeah. So when I know him and I understand my place in his kingdom and what my function is, then I can begin to love myself and even love others. There is this, there is though, and I, I'm not disagreeing at all with Pastor Anthony saying, there is this reality though, you can see the type of love you have for yourself, especially married men, in how they teach or treat women. Yep. Mm -hmm. Right. So the Bible says that the husband's wife is his own flesh. Mm -hmm. Right. So you want to see how he thinks about himself. You want to see how he feels about um, even others is, well, how's he treating them? Mm -hmm. How is he loving them? How is he acting towards them? So we can see clearly of one's thought process about themselves uh, or even how they feel about God and how they interact with everyone else. Right. Right. So that, that there's a reality to that. That you're t that you're consider I think that's what you're considering too. Well, right? yeah. I, I guess my argument would be, or my thought would be, that there's a self hatred mm -hmm. within us that spills out everywhere, mm. and and if if we don't come to grips with who we are, we'll never be able to any woman remove color any woman uh, because we're filled with. A self-hatred that, to me, I look at guys, and, and I'll, I won't even point a finger. I'll point it at myself. Someone could sit and argue privately, man, Whitlock, at that weight, you don't love yourself. Mm. And, and I got to accept and deal with that. Mm. No different than what Delano is saying. is like, I can look on BET and tell you don't care about yourself. Mm. How, Snoop, stop it. Uh, Dr. Dre, stop, you don't care. I can look at your fruit, that you're, this music, this art that you're putting out screams that, that, you don't like, that you don't like yourself. So why should we be shocked that you don't like your woman or any woman or treat any woman properly? You don't treat yourself properly. Yeah, I think well, we're, we're agreeing on the fact that if I don't know, my question would be this. Why would a person hate themselves? Mm. Like, I don't want to go too deep into that psychology, no, but I'm just saying, right, even go. that, what leads a person to hate themselves, to harm themselves, to be self-destructive, if you have an understanding of God, life will beat you down. Mm -hmm. And so when I have a right relationship with God, you know, the, the word tells us in Hebrews chapter nine, he is the anchor of our hope. So I know that there's something bigger, greater, much more purposeful than, you know, even how I may feel in this low moment. So when I go to that question, you say, man, you know, there are people that harm themselves and do self-destructive things. But why would you do that and then expect, as you're pointing out, them to love anything? So we got to go back to him and yeah. then he teaches us love and then it will spill out over everywhere yeah. else. And, and I, I, I completely agree with what Pastor Anthony is saying, um, you know, 
we, we learn to love, again, through that, through that biblical model. Um, one of the things that, but I'll say this, that for men who don't have that, that's, that's not a color issue, right? That, that would affect right. any man. If, if, right. if he does not know who his creator is and, and the purpose for his life, it's going to be hard for him to love um, any woman properly. And even what, in generally speaking, in pop culture, we call love songs are really fornication songs, right? So they're not, mm-hmm. they're not really love according to God's standard for love. Right. That, that being said, sort of in the spirit of common grace, I'll deal with an imperfect guy if he says, you know what, again, before I put a kid here, a kid there, two kids there, I'm going to commit to one woman for life, mm-hmm. right? I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm be willing to, to die for her mm-hmm. and the children that we create together, and we're going to raise them to the best of our ability. I'll, I'll take that imperfection if, if I could get it, because in our community, we don't even have, we don't have that, right? So many kids grow up, and it's not that they grow up fatherless per se, because a lot of times conservatives will use fatherless as a synonym for unmarried at the time a child is born. Mm. But I'd, I'd say at least 60% of a man's relationship with his children is dependent on his relationship with their mother. And if a guy has four Facts. kids by four women, and one of those women is pleasant and easy to deal with, and one is like dealing with a two-headed dragon, there's a good chance he's gonna spend more time at the first house than the second. Um, mm. so, so there are certain things going on culturally, certain dynamics. And, and again, particularly as it relates to, to some of the relationship between black men and black women, one of the things I don't think gets talked about enough is a lot of guys have mommy issues. Oh, we're, we're, yeah. We're familiar with women with daddy issues. Mm-hmm. And you can see it clear as day. Come on. Right? You meet a girl, your second day on a college campus, you know, she asks you, are you, are you, do you love me? And you say, oh, sure, baby. Yeah, I love you. You already know. Right. She hasn't been loved well by a father or, or somebody else. But there are guys who you can tell they may have an attraction to women. They do. They, they'll be sexually attracted to women. But they have resentment and malice in their heart. And a lot mm-hmm. of that is from unresolved issues with their mothers. And a lot of that is with, unre- is with um, decades of, of conflict between mothers and men, both the, the father of that child and the other guys who may have been coming in and out of the house at a particular time. Ooh, mm-hmm. um, and there's a lot of guys, and, and, and I can see, you can see it when a man, because sometimes when a guy, he'll describe women, and it's not on, you know, there's a difference between, you know, I, I, I wish she would respect me as a man and she would respect my leadership, and I can't, I can't stand these women. There's a, there's a uh-huh. difference. Mm-hmm. And that thing comes up out of the heart, and a lot of it is, again, some, some guys, since the time they were young, they've heard you are nothing. You're never going to be, different words, of course. You're nothing. You're never going to be anything. You'll be just like your dad. Um, he was he, nothing. <laughs> he was nothing. The, the kid grows up wanting to play a role, right, because he's, he's in social work parlance, adultified, right? So he's made into the man of the house way too early when he's still a boy. And it, but he realizes that he's not a man. And his mother will remind him of that. She'll mm-hmm. scream at him and yell at him and berate him and call him names. And he'll, he'll be frustrated because this is his mom and he has to respect her. But he feels like he's growing into a man and all she does is degrade him. And then he takes that out into the dating marketplace and then is wondering why none of his relationships is working. And I, and I think those dynamics are at play in our community more than people are willing to admit. Shamika, I want you to jump back in here. I know you got something you want to get in. 
Yeah, that's one of the things when Dave was talking that I was thinking about, like, who exactly are we talking about when we say black men or black women? Because the Bible says when I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Mm -hmm. So some of the people Mm -hmm. that we're referring to are not even men or women to start with. (laughs) We're looking at people in adult bodies, but still have childish thinking. So we can't even say that black men or black women don't love each other, but we can say black males or black females. But because Mm -hmm. when you really become a man, those childish ways are put behind you. So I think one of the things we can determine whether this is a man or not is the way he thinks, is the way he understands and the way that he speaks. So before we even get to being a couple, are you a man? Are you a woman? Mm. You know, the Bible says that a man that findeth a a wife finds a good thing. Are you already a wife? We don't make you into that. Are you who you're supposed to be before you even come Mm. together with this other person? And so I think that's what we have to do better at is raising men and women before they even try to come into a relationship with anybody else. Mm. One of the reasons I wanted to have this discussion is because I see, and and Delano kind of touched on it already in terms of we talk a lot about fatherless homes. And and I think it's a real and legitimate issue and discussion. And the, the word may not be perfect, but we are dealing with the consequences of a totally destroyed family structure. Mm-hmm. If, if 75% of our kids are growing up outside of the man-woman marriage covenant that God designed for a child to be developed in, it's no shock when I, I'm, I get on my social media feed, I see a steady stream of videos of young people mm-hmm. acting out, doing things that you know, shock me and repulse me. And, and so it may not be the worst, may not be the proper term, but I, I just uh, we have a fatherless crime wave hmm. uh, or a family destruction crime wave. It's real. We don't have black on black crime. We have fatherless on fatherless crime or family destroyed on family destroyed crime. Yeah. And and we got to come up out of the denial Yes. That, oh, it's it's white supremacy. That's why our kids are looting stores and beating up people and, and murdering people. No, this is a consequence of destroyed families. It, it You know, I talked about it when we talked about kingdom politics, Dr. Uh, Tony Evans' book. Like, when you destroy the family, there's all these consequences coming behind it. And, and, you know, I, I can't say either party is more to blame, woman or man, but we're both to blame for tolerating this. Yeah, you know, Jason, maybe the better way to think about this is we have an economy problem. Hmm. Because that's actually what we're talking about. When we're talking about, um, particularly in the context of black people, um, 
And so we're seeing it more inside of with, with, with families and then we're seeing it flush out and everything else. What I mean, I'm thinking of how the Bible talks about economy. The economy, the, the term is house law, right? That's where economy comes from. So the idea is a man and a woman through the marriage have children and from that dynamic, everything that has to do with every other interaction in society comes from that home. So house law is the training of people to bless other people inside of business, with goods, services, buildings, with everything else. That's all coming from the house. How people interact with each other civilly is an economy problem. It's the house law. When you don't have a house, the law is broken. Everything else in society down from that also is broken. And so maybe instead of like fatherless problem, that's true, we do have that, but we have economy problem. We don't have the thing, the very substance, the nature of the thing that births blessedness in our society. The economy, when it's functioning right with a husband and a wife who love each other and raise their kids with that type of love, they teach them how to then live in society. You can't steal from your brother or sister. Mm. That is wrong. Mm. You get a spanking. No, you can't blaspheme God's name in this house. No, you can't treat your grandmother like that, boy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You don't treat your grandpa like that. You know what he gave for you? You see your mom? Your mom has stretch marks because she birthed you. She gave a part of her body for you. She gave her life for you. You honor your mother. You carry the groceries in for her. This is how you treat women. You see somebody picking on your sisters, you better bust their nose. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? We create in the family the economy and the culture. And so fathers are the very central point of that. We teach our sons how to kill dragons. Mm -hmm. We teach them not to be dragons. Hmm. Right. And yeah, so the yeah. economy is what's missing. And so whatever we figure out for how we want to talk about later, that's the core of it. House law. We don't the, the house law. Civil law is an extension of the house law. Right. So everything that comes from our homes, particularly black, what's in our culture, society? Well, look at the home. Look at that economy. Mm. So when we talk about making money. Well, what have you done to love somebody so much in your home that they're willing to come back and bless you with it? Mm. We just show them how to work in the society and culture with house law. And so all the societal breakdown, whatever it is, I don't even care if it's black or white, you lose the economy, you lose that structure, and then you, it's not that it's not going to produce something, it's just going to produce something really poorly. Mm -hmm. So when you think you were talking about fatherless, I look at my life, uh, you know, my dad died when I was two, mm. natural causes, it wasn't, he wasn't gangbanging or anything like that. But the difference in what happened in my family structure and what Delano was describing was that my family was always pointing to this kind of dynamic where granny raises you mm -hmm. and mama raises you. That's what we have to do. But what's normal and what God wants mm -hmm. is head of the household, husband and wife to follow. And so my mom, you know, subsequently remarried. You know, that was always the norm. But there are communities, there are families where no, big mama is the matriarch mm -hmm. or mama is and that's just it. And that becomes the norm. And then you grow up in this like what he was describing, where son knows no matter what I do, I got to come up under somebody, you know, some woman because yep. Yep. the other thing that I, I love to touch on what Dave was just saying about, you know, how the house is run. One of the uh, proverbs that Solomon talks about or David, excuse me, talks about he talks about how. Uh, the father has these olive branches around mm -hmm, the table. Mm -hmm. and, and in Jewish culture at that time, the table, the, the, the table in the home 
was where everything was discussed, taken care of. We don't even have a table culture. Everybody goes in the living room, you know, TV dinners or goes to their room. Come on now. But could you imagine if father, mother, children are sitting at the table? We sit down and eat together. We discuss school and work and business and rules and love, and they get to see that interaction. Well, if that's not normal and what becomes normal is what we see, then it just runs amok. And this did not start in the 90s, 60s, 50s. This goes all the way back to the garden Mm -hmm. where at the time that, Adam, you've been given the law and you're responsible. He, uh, I don't know, some snake starts talking to my wife and she listens and she leads. When we abdicate leadership as men, any and everything will come into the home, society and everywhere else. And we're seeing that. So you use the word blame. Anybody can take blame. Biblically, men, we are responsible. I mean, I'm speechless for once. <laughs> we had to work together. Two on one. But I, I mean, I, I mean, both of them hit it. I mean, everything that everybody said to this point, I think, I think is spot on. And and Pastor Anthony raised a great point um, because there's a difference between again, let's just say your father dies of natural causes, or even if he is killed. I mean, I, I um, in my previous job, you know, I did a lot of community outreach work. I met a guy who did um, a memorial to the victims of gun violence in Washington, D.C. So I went to his apartment. I mean, an entire wall going back to the 80s. The guys have been shot and killed in one particular neighborhood. And some of these guys, he met their kids. And he, he had DVDs and videos of, of the fathers. And sometimes the kids would be like, I've never even seen my father before. So the first time I'm seeing him is on this video. That, that child's going to have a very different, um, mm. you know, sort of relationship with the idea of their dad because their dad is no longer here and there's nothing they can do about it. But when you're a a person, again, regardless of color, and you know you have a dad and you just know he doesn't want you, and that's that's the feeling you'll get. Mm -hmm. Well, why is he not here? And and you hear, well, he got a family across town. And you start asking yourself, well, why why are they good enough and I'm not good enough? That that creates all different types of problems in a kid. And and I I would venture to say, a lot of behavioral issues that we have in, in schools with young kids are a direct result of, of issues within their family. So we, we have bought into the matriarchy wholesale, I'd say for a better part of 60 years. And it's not working. And the reason it's not working is not because of race or ethnicity or, or culture. The reason it's not working is, again, going back to the garden, is that the, the creator of this world created order in everything that he made. Mm-hmm. Um, and nature has a nature. And when, when you have a situation in which the, the men are weak and the women are strong, everybody's going to suffer. And, and the way this works out in terms of policy is that if you have a household and there's a single income and the man is earning it, what's most likely is that that's a, that's a husband with a wife who's taking care of his children. If you have a household with a single income and a woman is earning it, What's most likely is that this is a single woman with her children because no woman anywhere, I don't care how much they may be, I'm an alpha woman, no woman is taught that her job is to take care of a grown man and the children that they raise together. That is never part of anybody's upbringing. So even the women who say, I'm a strong woman, I'm a boss chick, I'm a boss babe, yeah, they may want to deal with a guy they can push around for a couple of minutes, but eventually, (laughs) 
every woman who sees herself as strong grows to resent a man that she sees as weak. Mm-hmm. And what we have been, what is really coming to the surface now, I think social media makes it a little easier, the advent of technology, is you're seeing three generations of black women whose resentment of black men, and in many respects, our weakness, is finally coming to the surface. You better say that. That's, that's facts. And just to add to that, if I can amen you, which means that black men, in this particular case, are responsible for the matriarchy. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, that abdicate. So I got to say this, too. When you hear Shamika... Abdicate leadership. Yeah. <laughs> but when you hear Shamika Michelle say amen in your ear, you can feel something <laughs> in I'm just going to let everybody know. It feels different <laughs> when you hear amen from Shamika in your ear. It make you want to preach. No, but we... So, you know, you talked about the matriarchy versus the patriarchy. The matriarchy only exists because the patriarchy didn't, really. Mm-hmm. We have abdicated our responsibility and leadership in such a way that we've made the matriarchy, be, you know, do what they're doing. They have to lead. So otherwise, you don't find that, like, um, you know, Delano's wife, you're not going to hear her amen and champion the left as they talk about you know, men get behind women. She's going to laugh at them. Right. <laughs> Because she's like, that's not how the world works. Correct. She knows how it doesn't work that way. And she knows that she's a better woman because she has the man she has in Delano. And every husband that has, that been, has not abdicated responsibility has that in his wife. The men that have abdicated responsibility are the ones who are responsible for the matriarchy. Mm. Because they have said, obviously, you don't know how to do your job. I've got to jump into your shoes and act like you and do your job for you. Yeah. Right? And so yeah. the first thing that men need to do, if anything else, is repent. And say, you know what, baby? I'm sorry. I've been trying to make you a man. I'm the one who's been transing you. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Our daughters. I, you know what? You don't know what a man is because I haven't been a good father to you. I'm oh. sorry. Yeah. yeah. And so you've been running around acting like you're supposed to do. This is not what you're supposed to do. I'm supposed to create a, a, a place for you to grow and mature and create a garden that you flourish. So if anybody's responsible for the matriarchy, it's us. Can, can, can I jump in real quick say something? Um, one of the areas you see this most clearly, particularly when it comes to black men, is the ways in which, particularly black men on the left, promote abortion Ooh. with more vi- vigor and passion than they do na- ma- marriage. When me, when me and Knox were talking off, off camera, I was talking about Gary Chambers, Senate candidate for Louisiana, and he went to Southern University. He, he's talking to the, to the young people there, and he said, you know, Guys, y'all need to, you know, care about abortion just as much as the women. It's not just a women's issue because, you know, you may go out homecoming night and you don't know how the night is going to go. And some of y'all, you know, make this mistake and some of y'all going to end up on papers before you leave the school. And I'm saying to myself, instead of this guy saying, fellas, you of anybody have the odds in your favor. Mm. So you'd be a fool to leave the school with all these beautiful black women and not find you a wife. Come on now. He's preaching abortion. And these are the and and what frustrates me, the the very people who spend the same the the most amount of time talking about honoring their ancestors, <laughs> are insistent on killing their progeny. Ooh, that does not make any sense. That's completely inverted. They talk so much about oh the, the white supremacy and destruction of the black body, but all they do is provide free advertising for Planned Parenthood. So 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 yes, a big part of why we have the matriarchy is because men fail to stand up and lead. The good thing about it is, as you said, you can, they can, you can repent at any time. Mm. And even, particularly, let's say even a married man, because I've seen this too, I've seen, I've seen married guys who like, 
you ask them a question about something having to do with that creation order, and they respond with a whisper. I don't want to get in trouble by their wife. But even those guys can say, you know what, babe? I haven't been serving you well because uh-huh. I haven't been leading in the way that I want. And I, and I can tell because you're frustrated because you want me to lead. There's part of you innately that wants me to lead, but I'm not doing it because I'm so afraid of hurting your feelings mm-hmm. that I'm, I'm abdicating my responsibility as a man. I don't want to do that anymore. We got, so those, we got those feelings that came back in. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> and I've been exactly. making mistakes. Shamika, I, I want to bring it back to you and bring it back to all of us, but, but to you in particular. Someone very close to me, very close to me, I don't want to call their name because I don't want to get in trouble, uh, was having a conversation. They're married, uh, and we got in a, they were seeking advice from me, uh, and this is with their husband in the room, and, and was saying that if I could just get me a Stedman and, you know, basically someone in support. And this is someone I respect greatly, instrumental in my life. If I could just get me a Stedman. And I told her, I was like, pulled her to the side when it was over. I was like, y- you might as well have just announced like, that's like telling your husband, if you just turned gay, I would be happy. Mm. I said, because no man wants to hear that. Stedman don't want to hear that. <laughs> uh, and he don't want to play that role. And so mm. I go, you're saying something that's offensive to your husband and you have no idea. And then I just want to add this in. I have another black female very close to, have a great deal of respect for, one of the smartest people I know. I, her and her husband came into town. We went to breakfast, and, and she was telling me and her husband that, you know, the women, we got this right now. We're standing in the gap, and, and we're going to, you know, we got this. And this is a smart person, one of the smartest people I know. And, and I said to her, I was like, okay, y'all got it. What are the results? Mm. Y'all done had it for a long time. Ouch. We got a hot mess going on right now. Right. And so I guess my question to you, Shamika, and then I'm going to bring it to the guys is, what advice should we be giving black women who feel like, well, we got to lead and it's our time to lead and these men have fallen down that we have to lead and just get out of our way and let us lead right now. We'll, We'll turn it back over to you once we're done. I think the advice to those type of women would be to get counseling, you know, so they can come out of the closet about being bisexual and really understand where they, you know, lie when it comes to sexuality. No straight woman who loves a man wants a Stedman because you don't even want to have sex with a Stedman. Stedman is not going to do what he needs to do and put it down in the bedroom. There's nothing that you can say that make me feel like a woman is going to rip her clothes off and throw her panties at Stedman. So I think that we have a lot of women who go both ways and are not being honest about it. That's why you have so many men that say, oh, my woman doesn't want to have sex with me. Well, you probably married someone that's bisexual. She prefers a, a woman. And so it's so easy for those type of men to just cower and let that woman leave. When um, we're talking about Jezebels, you know, these are Jezebels. Jezebel couldn't 
have done what she did without an Ahab. Ahab mm. let Jezebel rule and reign the way that she did because he could have stepped in at any time and put his foot down. And so many times we talk to women about Proverbs 31 and being a Proverbs 31 woman. Well, that uh, scripture, that whole thing starts out with telling men, give not thy strength unto women. So it is the men that need to step up and stand up and say, no more. This is over with. Either you want to be a woman and you want to be a woman in its entirety, in the way God created you and for the reason he created you, which is to be a help me so that I wouldn't be alone, or I'm going to have to, to, to move on and find that woman who does. We at this point with what we're seeing in the culture, we don't have time for these women who don't want to really be women and be the women that are going to help train these young girls up in the way that they should go and then be the women of the next generation. So it's really time out for us mm. being nice to these women who want to be masculine and these beta males. Mm. I hope that certain people aren't watching today because I... <laughs> but... I will say that both of the references I made are headed toward divorce right now. So uh, <laughs> that, that's, the, I mean, nobody wants to be stabbed. And that, no, that, that's unfortunate. I mean, honestly, because I mean, you know, I know all of us believe marriage is a, is a lifelong covenant. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. unfortunate. I, w I will say this. Um, all of us have been sort of educated and discipled in this culture. And this is a culture whose some of its primary influences, particularly on the left, have said that a woman needs a man like a fish needs a bicycle. That's Gloria Steinem, right? So men and women have been acculturated and we, we've been swimming in, in these waters for a long time. But, I said it like Jason, but <laughs> um, I also hear a lot of black women say, I'm tired. Mm -hmm. I don't wanna lead anymore, mm -hmm. right? Uh, who, who's looking out for me? And you can, you can tell again that they, this, is, this is nature's call trying to tell them to come back home. Because generally speaking, it's rare to hear, maybe this generation of men, but most guys, if you're going out, you, if you long hauling, you're a trucker, you're a carpenter, plumber, coal miner, whatever the job is, most guys are not spending their time complaining about how hard their life is, because that's just part of the deal. Mm -hmm. you, you're, you're a man, you have a wife, you have children, you have to support them. It, it comes with the territory. But the women, and I'm, I'm thinking of one clip with, you know, Joy Reid, Nicole Hannah-Jones, Tiffany Cross, a bunch of MSNBC people, women. It was a table full of women, and on one hand, they want the leadership, because they, they like the idea of the power that comes with it. But on the other hand, they're weighed down by the responsibility that comes with it. And it's like a person asking for the sun and demanding the light, but rejecting the heat. You can't do that. So I think one of the things you can say is like, look, you constantly complain that you're tired. You say you want the soft life, right? But you can't do that where you are right now. So part of what you have to do practically is if you're dealing with a guy and you've trained him to be this way, to be passive in your presence, is to take your hand off of certain things and allow him to create the, regain the muscle memory 
of taking on certain things. So if, if you know, you come home from the grocery store, he's used to you having, he's used to you having all the, gro- the bags in your hand and he's sitting there and he waving from the thing. And you, you come inside and you say, hey, I left the groceries outside for you. Can you bring them Facts. in for me? Right. Facts. Just get like, small ways to get him accustomed because this, this is what I'm about to say, I think is, is representative of American culture, generally speaking, but definitely black culture. Over the last 60 years, our women have become more masculine and our men have become more feminine. And we are right at the nexus of that social experiment. Mm. And, and you, you know that the women are not up to, to lead and defend, because that's part of what comes with the deal too. Because the same women, some of the ones I talked about, the Joy Reeds, the, the Jamel Hills, the Tiffany Crosses, when a different group of men show up at the door and say, hey, I'm, I'm part of the sisterhood too. You need to let me in. They say, well, I guess, come, come right inside. So they, they don't have the, the, the capacity or the willingness to really be a watchman on the wall. And, and that's good, because that's, that's not their nature. Right. But again, they, they want the power that comes with leadership. But I, I would, if, again, if I was to take a practical step, it's like, look, you, you all, you're talking all the time about how you don't want to carry all the weight. So stop. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that would be one step to, to that progress. Man, you, you took the words I was going to say and made them so much better. <laughs> Doggone it. Um, I just want inter- to reiterate everything you just said. I want to say it like this, though. Um, learn how to be a good woman. I think the first step, though, is repentance. Mm. You're going to have to cultivate a repentant household. This is particularly talking about married couples, especially if you have a husband talking to women who are not in line. You need to figure out what you've contributed to the situation to not be a good help me to him to see. Because if you're if he's going the wrong direction, you've been helping him go that way Mm -hmm. because you're helping him one way or the other. Mm -hmm. So you need to repent. That's the first thing you need to do. And in the repentance, I believe that God gives you wisdom on how to move forward. So when you repent and say, Lord, I've been a man, mm. right? Mm. I've, I've actually abdicated my responsibility because he wasn't doing his. I jumped out of my lane and I started acting like a man. And what I need to do is start pulling that back. Learn how to be a good woman. What am I? What am I made for? What should I be doing? How do I serve him? What is his vision? What does he want to accomplish? And then how do I come underneath that vision and be the kind of woman that he needs? And when you do that and you learn through the scriptures how to become a good woman, you start doing what Delano was talking about. You start saying, that's not my place. Mm -hmm. That's his place. And what you start doing, you say, hey, baby, I got everything ready for you to be able to do your job. I got your favorite drink. I got your favorite shoes. I got you. I created a great meal. I'm going to go ahead and, and do these other things that I know is going to be great for the family. Here goes your job. And he's going to be like, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm supposed to be here. I know that. But um, <clears throat> yeah, I got this. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. She pushes him by being a woman to protect her, to be the man you're supposed to be. She grabs the sword and the shield. And she gives it to him, say, here goes your tools, baby. I'll be here with the kids when you get back. Mm. And she has to re-understand the whole metaphysical world, understand what, what is it and what am I for? Well, who is he? What is he for? And you don't get those definitions apart from Scripture. And that's my lob up to Pastor Anthony. Right there. <laughs> uh, the book of Proverbs, Solomon writes primarily to young men. That was the emphasis of the book, why he wrote it. Uh, It's all wisdom, all practical Mm. knowledge. And in that, we find a verse that's familiar. You know, train up a child in the way he should go. 
Um, and what people often overlooking that is when he says train up a child in the way he should go. That means that you first have to know the way he should go mm-hmm. in order to train him in that way. So men, we are to be as God designed us before Eve even showed up on the scene. He's got a job. He's got a responsibility. He's got the vision that God has given him for the dominion of this world. Mm. Then Eve comes in. So men, we have to stand up and accept that vision that God has given us. We ought to be able to cast it to say, no, 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 we're getting ready to go this way. We're going to do this. Children, we're going to go in this direction. That's all men and leadership. And when we stand up to do that, just standing, accepting and walking in that, things begin to fall into place mm-hmm. in all kind of ways. You, you remember we went to uh, Dr. Evans's school and yeah. he was talking about how some of the schools in the area had, you know, disruptive kids, et cetera. And the church sent men to walk down the hall. Mm-hmm. Just men walking <laughs> in the hall calms down a lot of disruption. Just men there. So when men stand up and accept, okay, this is my leadership. And it starts with training. You know, I I talk about a lot of the work that we do uh, with men at our church and preparing the other young men. And as a part of training, yes, they're going to be the, you know, oh, man, we got to do. Yes, y'all got to put up all these chairs. Yes, y'all got to put up all these tables. Yes, you got to, hey, go open the door. for them. You have to train that to where they get to a certain point, as as y'all just talked about. When my wife goes grocery shopping and when I go grocery shopping, it's different. If I have to go grocery shopping, I got to pick out all the groceries, put them in the bag, get home, take them out the car and put them up. When my wife goes, she pulls up in the car, I went grocery shopping. All right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. I, 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 that's just and, and my son, he's right. Come on. He knows let's what go. to do. Come on. Right, come yeah. on. Let's right. go. Put your shoes on. We got to get the groceries out. There. I mean, that's just that's a part of training. But then that follows in how we begin to be. You talk about wife being a certain way and the wife that you were talking about. Imagine if that wife is speaking life and encouragement into him. I tell that to our wives at church. Hey, your husband, get up and do something that he hadn't done in a good little while. Speak life and encouragement into him. Oh, Mm -hmm. you got all the groceries in one trip. His chest will be right, out so right. far. Yes, I did. You fixed the sink. I sure you cut the grass. It looks so nice. That begins to create a normal family situation that God ordains. And we've got to get back to that. Yeah. Uh, I, I hear you, Delana, when you talk about hearing so many women say how tired they are. We are supposed to be the Christ-like figure in this situation. Let's help and save this dynamic, man. Yeah. Let's step up and say, oh, you know what? We abdicated responsibility. We're responsible for this mess. We're going to stand up and take charge. Mm. We'll end on this note, and and I'll let everybody respond, but let's tighten it up just a little bit because we're we're going a little bit long here. But uh, I've been doing a lot of thinking about uh, where we're at black men, black women, and why, how black women have ascended to their place of rulership over black men. And one of the things, and I started coming to this realization two, three years ago, and it's, it's part of the reason why, you know, I, I left LA and just, we've become so uh, sexually depraved 
mm. and promiscuous. <clears throat> and so much of our identity is attached to sex that uh, women are able to use that as a control mechanism mm. over us. And, and I've said it many times that uh, our allegiance to the Democratic Party is for black men at this point because, and again, this is not some strong endorsement of the political uh, Republican Party. Just keep it, I've never voted. I'm, I don't play the political game. I'm, I'm just not that passionate about it. But the Democratic Party has become so depraved with this promotion of abortion, drag queens in schools, that to me, it's so obvious and so repulsive what they're doing. But the hook that they have in us is the black woman and the fact that we fear being cut off from her sexually if we don't obey her politically. Mm. And I see it play out, I, I say, because it's so obvious just how hostile the left is to male leadership, that just as a man, it's like, well, that can't, that can't be for me. It, it just can't be, it's way too hostile to me and my whole worldview. And so, and I, I, I get the, the belief that somehow, well, well the other party is, is racist and doesn't like you. That's an opinion. I've met many, many conservatives who don't hate me and don't hate black people. I've just met too many of them to, to think I can cover it all with that blanket. But these policies and these beliefs from the left Again, they're just, they're, they're, you can't refute them. The whole, when I look at people going into confusion, we can't have abortions, we can't have abortions. We got, this is a, a fundamental right. I'm, I'm, that's demonic and mm. I can't get on board with it, I'm just sorry. And I'm not going to allow any woman, black, white, green, whatever, control me with sex, but that's where we are and that's, again, part of the reason why I think Black culture has been so sexualized. Mm. And, and so much of our identity is caught up in our number of conquests. And people take pride in how many baby mamas they got because it's proof of how much sex they've had and blah, blah. And our whole identity built on that. And I just had to walk away and reject all of that and, and fall into some obedience to God as it relates to that. And it liberates your mind. Mm -hmm. and, it allows you to start making logical and reason, uh, reasonable conclusions. But I really do see sex as the weapon that's being used to control us. And I've met too many of too many friends, met too many guys that are afraid to death to tell their wife, girlfriend, or whomever, hey, I'm not on board with this whole abortion thing and just killing my seed. I, I'm not on board with drag queens at school. I don't want my kindergarten teacher talking to my child about sex. I wanna do that. That's our job. But everybody's in silence and afraid to tell their woman what they really think because they're afraid they'll no longer have access mm. uh, to that special place that women have and we got to let it go. And so if, if I could, if everybody could just react to that thought and then we'll be done. Shamika, 
go first. Well, I do think there are those men who are afraid to lose sex on their birthday or, you know, those special holidays when they absolutely <laughs> get it, you know, because they aren't getting it. I think that a very masculine man who takes authority and takes charge, he's not having an issue with sex at all because I just feel like most women melt when it comes to those type of men. So I, I do think that there are women that use it as a means of control, absolutely. But I think you can only control weak men with sex, for sure. And, you know, I think that women have to know who they are. A lot of women don't, and they believe that sex is supposed to be used as a weapon. I tell men all the time, like, I'm not side chick material. I'm not play material. I know for sure if I put all this Shamik Michelle on you, you're going to fall in love. So if you don't want to do that, I suggest you leave me alone. And because I know who I am, I don't even try to say, oh, let's just have this uh, sexual relationship that doesn't mean anything or because that's not who I am. I know why I was created and why God created women. And so people just don't know who they are and they're going through life. And that's why they're so easily controlled and manipulated with sex, because sex is just I mean, it's biology. Anybody can do it. And if that's all that you think you have to bring to the table, you really aren't worth the hill of beans, because it's a lot more than that. And people need to realize that. Mm. Well, uh, sex is not a weapon, even mm -hmm. though some people use it like that. Sex is really a factory that makes weapons. Mm. So the Bible says that my kids are arrows and they're really mighty. They're capable of accomplishing their goal in the hands of a mighty warrior. Um, you know, <laughs> it's funny. I was thinking about this. I was like, I got seven kids. Um, so you're an authority on this. Yeah. You know. <laughs> I was thinking, I wasn't going to try and rap, but I got 99 problems having sex ain't one. That's just, <laughs> uh, that's not a problem. But I, I will say this goes, you know, they, these men who are afraid to stand up to their women, that's the very reason why they're not having sex. Shemika mm. kind of made that point because... Uh, standing up and talking and communicating, cultivating your wife is the first garden that you have to cultivate mm. before you cultivate the world. So if you want to have success in the world, you want to have success, real tangible, last success that impacts souls, you have to learn to first tell the truth to the one that you have next to you so that you learn to cultivate her, not in some horrible way that removes her from you, but who draws her close to you. So you have to believe a few things about God and his word that tell you telling someone in love brings them closer to you. You got to learn how to do that. And until you learn how to cultivate that woman, your failures in life and that, that you know, you might be successful financially, but you know, I'm failing if I can't manage the first thing that's next that my home. If I can't manage my home, I'm failing at life. And so being able to cultivate her will then lead you to being able to cultivate the rest of the world. And, and also, she's going to want to make sure that you have everything you need to be the kind of man that, that you need to be in the rest of the world. So a couple things. Um, one, that, that dynamic you describe is exactly what we saw last week with that no voting, no loving video, oh, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Or the one, take your booty to the polls in 2020. All right? it, it, it is the selling of sex, particularly to black men, in order to get them to do what the left wants them to do, which is, which is vote. Because to them, that's all we are. 
voting is our primary vocation. It's not husband, it's not father, it's not coach, it's not entrepreneur, it's not community leader, right. it's voter, that's it. That's the only reason that they have interest in us. Um, so I, I think more guys need to be open to that understanding. The other thing, and I was thinking of this, I think as, as, I think as, as Dave was talking, um, we talked a little bit about what women should do, right, in terms of um, be becoming a good woman, a good wife. But this, there's, and this goes right back to where we started in terms of black men. And it's not just a black thing, but, but for the sake of this conversation, I think it's important for women to hear from men the beauty of, of womanhood and femininity. Sex. It's hard to get that absent from the scripture because you're not gonna get it in the culture. Mm -hmm. But when you understand how fearfully and wonderfully made all of us are, but, but God had you know, made special accommodations for women, right? Who can carry and bear and birth life. Mm -hmm. the, the, the feminine form, right? Since ancient times, if, if a painter wanted inspiration, he got a female muse. Nobody don't want to look at us unless, I mean, some of the Greeks may, but they, that's a different issue. Yeah. Um, but it, I think women need to be told, you're beautiful, that's right. you're, you're valuable, and particularly a, a husband talking to his wife, yeah. right? I'm not, I'm not talking about running game. And this is, Jason, we've mm -hmm. talked about this before. This is one of the things that well, I, I, I sort of had disagreements or issues I took with the sort of the Kevin Samuels line of teaching is that it still pitted men and women together as combatants on the battlefield. And I, and I think that that wasn't necessarily the best way to go. Um, I'm, I'm, not tell, I'm not trying to tr teach guys how to conquer women. I'm, I'm trying to teach guys how to, to love on women and particularly a woman, find a woman and That's make right. her your wife and to love on her so that she knows that the things that she does and things that she brings to your life are valuable. Um, I, I think that message of affirmation yeah. goes hand in hand with the message that we said that is women need to give to men in terms of affirming their masculinity and we affirm the, the goodness of femininity and you see those two, those two parts working together. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Hey Dub, you got the final word, we gotta get out of here. Paul says it, that as the husband loves the wife, he washes her with the word. Mm -hmm. He's affirming her and presents her to himself. So if he's not pouring into her and giving and showing and providing and all of that, he's not going to be getting that on the return. Um, thank you, Delano, for bringing up the combatant piece. The enemy, would he is loving the fact that men and women are being pitted against one another in general. And even within the marriage context, if he can get you pitted against one another, mm -hmm and sex now becomes a weapon, mm -hmm. if sex becomes a part of the bargaining chip, the relationship is on the auctioning block. Mm -hmm. Anybody else can come in and get whatever they want, if that's the case. Mm -hmm. But when you guys are united together in Christ, which is, hey, set politics, culture, all that aside, this, what we're doing is a ministry that God is using for us to transform the world, then we take all of those little games out. We're on the same team. Mm -hmm. We're on God's team. Bryson Gray, back. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! 
Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hey, this is about control. Everybody knows. Everyone complies. We're the kinds of pros. I don't need a plane. I just hit the road. I do what I want. I can't sell my soul. Market about the crash. This is what you chose. Ruin in the country. I've been best to go. You gon' take the mark. I take never rolls. I'm a man of God. I can never let's fold. Let's go, Brandon. I keep a drum like I'm Nick Cannon. Hey, hey, let's go, Brandon. Pandemic ain't real. They just planted. Hey, hey, let's go, Brandon. When you ask questions, they start banning. Hey, hey, let's go, Brandon. Hey, welcome back. Let's go, Brandon. Hey. Welcome back to the show. That is uh, Bryson Gray, who is in studio with us. You guys know him from his Let's Go Brandon song. Uh, Bryson, thank you so much uh, for joining us. Of course. Thank you. I had no idea until the other day that you were from Murfreesboro or that you live in Murfreesboro. I've been living here for like a year and a half now. Oh, so what brought you to Tennessee? Roy Cooper, one in North Carolina. And I said, yeah, I'm out. I compiled a list of all the states with the best laws. And Tennessee had great laws. Constitutional care was passed. The Bible is the, the, the book of the state. Um, so I said, I'm moving here. But I didn't want to move in Murfreesboro. I mean, I didn't want to move in Nashville. So I moved to Murfreesboro. How come you didn't want to live here in Music City? Nah, I'm good. Nashville a little too uh, degenerate for me. <laughs> <laughs> it is safer. Uh, for a Christian to probably be a little bit outside of Murfreesboro. And, you know, uh, here in Nashville, I don't think we or they have had uh, a Republican mayor in maybe 50, 60 years. Not surprised at all. (laughs) (laughs) So I've only been here a couple years. I came from Los Angeles. I lived 10 previous years in Los Angeles. But, hey, I, I... You've made a name with yourself with the Let's Go Brandon and the uh, conservative Christian rap songs, but I wanted to know a little bit more about you and your history. And so I believe you're in your early 30s. How long have you been rapping? When did you decide you wanted to be a musician? Uh, It's going to sound cliche, but I promise you, I'm not over-exaggerating or anything. I've been rapping since I've known myself to be alive. Like, I can't tell you what I was doing my first three years of my life because I don't don't remember. But I've been rapping since I've been four for a fact. Literally. And because you wanted to be a rapper or you just fell in love with rap music? So my dad is a musician. Not a not a rapper. He was a singer. He had the the, the Yamaha keyboard and the den. And um, I know I started making beats <clears throat> on the Yamaha keyboard at nine years old. But I was already writing lyrics. Like I was making fake songs, like me featuring Snoop Dogg. But obviously he wasn't on a song with me. I would write his verse for him. And I used to make songs for myself featuring other artists when I was like four or five. And so where did you grow up? Where were you doing that at? High Point, North Carolina, Triad area, 336, furniture capital of the world. Now, I used to live in Rock Hill, South Carolina, just beneath Charlotte, North Carolina. I know where Raleigh is Mm -hmm. in Durham. Where are you... Where is that at in relation to any of those places? It's like like an hour from Charlotte, hour from Raleigh. You know where Greensboro, North Carolina is? It's basically a smaller portion of Greensboro, just outside of Greensboro. Got you. And so, as a kid, when did you start rapping professionally or pursuing it as a career? 
I started recording in, in the actual music studio. I was like eight, nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I was in fifth grade, I went, I went rapper of the year at, at, at my school. When I was in eighth grade, I went rapper of the year at my school. When I was in high school, I was voted most likely to be a rapper. <laughs> so like, I was on 106 in part. When I was in high school, twice. I've had songs in movies. Um, I had songs on the radio where I'm from since I was like 16, 15. What was your early music about? Degeneracy. It was about women twerking and drinking alcohol. I mean, that's what I was actually like living at the time. But yeah, it was degenerate worldly music. And uh, like, like the songs we made, like the club songs we made, still get played in the clubs there to this day. I hate it though, because it's like, I'm like, ugh, I can't believe I made that. <laughs> Give me the name of one of them. Like, what's your most popular song in High Point? Uh, we probably have two. The two we have that's most popular is probably one called Shake for the Money, self-explanatory, and another one called My Team. I was in a rap group called 336 Boys. Um, we were super popular in, in the 336 area in North Carolina. If you know anybody that's in they that's like around my age, they know who 336 Boys are. We was getting paid for shows. People, like, we had lines, people waiting to take pictures with us, people stalking us in Walmart. How old were you then, <laughs> 336 Boys? That was from... That was from 15, 16, till I was like 20, what, three? Yeah, yeah, just like 23. So were y'all making decent money? And Yeah, so I had spurts. So I, did, I, never, I didn't have my first real job till I was about 20, because I was always making money for music. We was performing with Soulja Boy when he was first popular. We was doing like Super Jam in North Carolina. Like, I, I, I headline shows with J. Cole. We performed at all the HBCUs, A&T Homecoming, WSSU Homecoming, NCCU Homecoming. We got paid to perform at all these events. Um, but, you know, then you have slow spurs. Like, local popularity is fun because it's like everybody knows you locally. But sometimes you think you're bigger than you are, so you start spending money like you like it's going like last. <laughs> last. Next thing you know, you're working at UPS. <clears throat> you know, I'm listening to this story from Kansas City, we would say, oh, you're from the soil. You're from, <laughs> yes, you're from the soil. Like, this isn't something, because I think a lot of people on the outside were like, oh, he just hopped on this conservative thing. Grifter. an opportunity. Yeah, but you are a lifelong rapper, had a little bit of a career going in the, and then so what made you, what were the turning points for you as it relates to your faith, and then what was your turning point for you as it relates to politics? So with my faith, I've always been a Bible dumper. I was a hypocritical Bible dumper at first, but uh, I was always a Bible dumper, like period. I was making degenerate music, then I'll get on Twitter and Bible dump. I used to curse when I used to Bible dump too. Uh, it, uh, <clears throat> pretty embarrassing. But um, I started making EDM music too, and I got very popular. I had songs like Electric viral, Daisy. Electric da uh, electronic dance music. Electronic dance music, yeah, because yeah, I, Years ago, I used to, I think I've been to EDM show out in Las Vegas. Yes, yeah, sir. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, used to make, <laughs> I used to make EDM music under my name, King Vodka. I used to, I used to be known for drinking vodka. And uh, I had two songs go viral on um, TikTok. Before it was called TikTok, it was called Musical.ly. And on Vine, it was a song called Stranger. I was getting like... 20,000 streams a day on Spotify. <clears throat> Apple Music wasn't out yet. So I was like selling like 150 downloads on iTunes. Uh, then um, my manager stopped working with me because I he's, he wanted me to perform at a show in, in Paris, I think. I think it was Paris. It was an EDM festival in Paris, but it was like a, a pride festival. And I said, no, 
They said, all money is green. I said, nah, I'm good. And then we started working after that. <clears throat> so I've always been like getting persecuted for my faith. The politics came a little later because I used to be super pro-black. Like Marcus Garvey, Malcolm, like Malcolm May. I used to be like super pro-black. I used to be like one of those crazy pro-black people. And that got me into politics a little bit. But I was born and raised to be a Democrat. So I didn't look at it from a Democratic lens. I looked at it from a everybody oppresses black people lens. <clears throat> and then um, I, was in a, I started getting into guns. I've always been conservative. Most people in the black community are conservative naturally. You know what I'm saying? We don't know where that lines up politically, but my mama, my daddy, my grandma, my grandpa, they, not, they, they never was into this liberal crap, but they all vote Democrat, lifelong. Uh, so I started researching, and I became independent. I, be, I became independent way early on, <clears throat> but I was still a Democrat. Like I still voted. If I if I were to vote, it was only, you know. You voted liberals. for Obama. Yeah, I voted for Obama. Twice. Yeah. Are you old enough to have voted well, for him nah, twice? No, nah, I only could vote for him that second time. Yeah. Yeah, but that second time I regretted my vote so quickly because in 2015 the Supreme Court. Um, yeah, Oberfell. Yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah, yeah. And but only three states supported same-sex marriage during that time <clears throat> out of the whole country. And I was in North Carolina, the whole Democratic church my grandma went to. We was carpooling to the to, to, to the voting booths to vote no. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but they all vote Democrat. You know what I'm saying? Yep. It's like the, the way the community works, man, when you grow up in it, looking back on it, it's kind of, it's kind of interesting. But I started getting to more into politics. And then I started researching. I was a Bernie supporter. A saw, Bernie Sanders supporter? Yeah. And let me tell you why. He's I'm, an atheist, I would imagine. So I didn't know that at first. Yeah. I saw a picture of him going to jail for some probe, like some... You Something know, is allegedly was pro-black. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Allegedly. So it, I got tricked. What happened was I used to argue with people on Twitter because they used to call me a fake Bernie supporter because I would talk about stuff that I that at the time I didn't know were against what he believed in. Like I'm saying, like I'm pro-life. I'm not with the LGBT stuff at all, but I'm sitting here claiming to be a Bernie supporter. You know what I'm saying? So then I started researching. I went to Bernie Sanders' website one day. Cause I was like, I'm not a fake Bernie supporter. It was a big argument on Twitter. You a fake Bernie supporter? I said, Nah, nah, no, I'm not. I went to his uh, website. I literally didn't agree with one thing. The only thing I rocked with is um, he didn't have any large like donors. It was all people, yep. you know, sending him money for his campaign. So I still thought I still think that was gangster. But everything else I disagree with. I went to a Republican website just to compare. Ted Cruz. That's the only one I knew. Really, you know what I'm saying? Like Donald Trump was talking about running, but it wasn't. I didn't take him like actually serious at the yep. time. <clears throat> Ted Cruz. God. Traditional marriage, work hard for what you want, stuff that I've been taught all my life. I'm like, uh, this, 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 this fits me. And you start looking up the history. Ted Cruz, he didn't put anything about joining the KKK on his website. Nothing like that. Nothing like that. Nothing like that. So, so he like talked him. about <clears throat> God and family. And all, all, well, that, that's racist, man. I mean, God and family, that's racist. Ra- in 2022, is racist. <laughs> <laughs> but he, he made me watch the primaries, and um, Trump sounded like me. I'm sorry. Like, I like Ted Cruz, but Trump sounded like me on stage. My mom used to be like, why that sound like Bryson? Because I've always been controversial. Say whatever I want. I've always been away all my life. Don't care what you say. It doesn't bother me. I'm not going to run and hide. I said what I said, and that's just what it is. So when I saw Trump, I just connected with him <clears throat> on a personal level. You know what I'm saying? So I was like, no, I rock with him heavy. I started rocking, like, I rocked with Ted Cruz, but I wasn't coming out saying I rock with Ted Cruz. Like, I, I didn't have a, he didn't give me that energy to do that. <laughs> you know? So when you start publicly supporting Donald Trump, 
What is your family that's all pulling the Democratic lever? What are they, what's their reaction? Listen, arguments, real ones. You know what I'm saying? My family, you know, my family crazy, so we always argue. But these arguments was like very serious because they felt like I was embarrassing the family. Because I would start, like me, if I like, if I'm with something 100%, I'm gonna say it, I got to. I got to. So, immediate family, mom and daddy, <clears throat> Everybody outside of that, grandma, cousins, everybody was talking about it because I was always popular where I'm from. So I started talking about it on Facebook. No, sir. And then my mama called me one day and she was like, you can't be a political pundit and a rapper. And I said, who can? And I went home and made a song called Black Not Democrat. <laughs> and that's what made me doing it because. Black Not Democrat. First song talking about politics. I got a lot of songs back in the day talking about God, even cursing talking about God. But as far as politics, that was the first one I made. And it was because she, my mama, like, you know what I'm saying? And uh, she hates when I tell that story. Uh, but my parents invested a lot of money into my music career, to my, to my, the rap group I was in. They invested probably like $200,000 overall, like into my music career. So they're looking at it like you're ruining your music career over something that's not going to make you no money. Who cares about politics? It's not that important to, you know what I'm saying, to ruin your career. So they were just being parents, you know what I'm saying? But me, I, I felt like that was a challenge, so, you know. And so, did they ever get on board? Have they gotten on board? Have they switched up politically? Hey, if you look at the videos from Chicago, my mama ran out on stage with me. Yeah, my whole family was there. I can't wait for them to see this one. My whole family was there. My dad still act like he doesn't like Trump at all, you know what I'm saying? But he'll tell you he's conservative now. A year and a half ago, my daddy would not say he was conservative. My mama, I completely red pill her. All my siblings, they, they red pill. I red pill them quickly. My dad, I think he just likes to argue with me because it's fun. So I, I, I think he only. How, how do I mean? Because what does your family say? And again, you they've been red pilled now, but it's like for me, the drag queen stuff and them wanting to be in schools and talking to kids in kindergarten about sexuality and gender, uh, the whole uh, promotion of transgender surgeries and all that, th that's the, the abortion issue. This is all like, I can't get around those hurdles. How, how, do, how, do, how, do, how do they get around those hurdles? My, my dad hates it. My dad a public school teacher. He's an English teacher. And he go he go do it. They they they, they try to force them to be in the um, be in that LGBT training. You know every school yeah. had to go through that LGBT training. You know what I'm saying? These teachers are being forced to to to, to support this stuff. And my dad he said all the teachers at his school you know went to went to the bathroom during during that stuff. But yeah, they they, they, they try they try to force it. My daddy don't like that. My, my grandmother was a Black Panther. Black Panthers went like people people get like history confused. The the leader of the Black Panther sect. That my grand my grandmother was from my dad mom he voted for George Bush when Bush was running. People get black panthers confused. People act like they know black history. Well, black people don't. the only thing I will say this like you go look at Huey P. Newton and Bobby Seale, mm -hmm. those were switch hitting. Yeah, they, they, they you know they were a part of that El at Alphabet Mafia. Yeah, but it wasn't like that wasn't the the sentiment amongst the people. Like it I agree, but yeah, Huey yeah. Newton gave speeches about. Why we need to support the LGBT I'm not, I'm not sure. and all that, and they was making dudes submit 
through sodomy. <laughs> I, I'm not shocked because I feel like a lot of people got paid. All these leaders that we viewed as leaders in the past, in the past, conspiracy theory. I think they all like were, you know, paid off and stuff yeah. like that. No, yeah, I definitely. Everybody's taking a check. Everybody's so taking like, a little check. Yeah. And so, what year? I mean, we played Let's Go Brandon. How old is that? Is that? Two years old now? Is nah, it? is it? Nah, it's just a year. It, I think the the anniversary was like a like last week. I think. Got you. For the so, is that been your most popular song? Oh no 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 no! My most popular song is uh that did the best on Billboard charts, right? But the one that probably was the most viral was Trump is your president. Like I don't care why I perform. When did that come out? Before or after? That Let's was go early. Brandon. Trump is your president. If I'm not mistaken, I could be. Came out <clears throat> very late. 2019 or early early 2020 when it first came out it didn't go viral it went viral like later and and so and i don't want to crawl all in your business or whatever but like the success you're having now it's financially worth it yeah. to your family and to yourself, your parents feel like the whole music thing was been a great investment. Yeah, see, look, see, look. I talk, <laughs> me and my parents talk about it this weekend because they, they saw like the crowd of people that was there to see us in Chicago, a liberal place. People there singing, every, knowing everywhere to the song. But they admit they were wrong. We talked to my daddy, he was like, I was wrong. Because they thought, they thought I was ruining my music career. They thought I was, uh, they thought I was ruining my music career to, to talk about politics. You know what I'm saying? Now, I've been on Billboard charts 30 times. So it's like my parent, my dad, my dad, he'll be like, <clears throat> don't listen to me, son. You was, you was right. I was wrong. So they, they, they like it now. But then they, they love it because they've been to the rallies and they understand how like conservatives treat everybody, no matter, you know what I'm saying? So all the perceptions, even some perceptions that I had has been like debunked in real life. He, hearing you, talking to you, watching some of your interviews, again, I'll use that saying from Kansas City from the soil, I'll use it again in a different way in terms of like, and I hate to even say these words, but you'll know what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. You grew up black, yeah. around black people, yeah. friends, the whole, your holes, and, and a lot of conservatives get accused of, oh, you, you ain't really part of the culture, part of the black, black people. That is not the case for you. Oh yeah, they can't. It's impossible. They can look it up. WSSU, HBCU. Look who was performing with J. Cole at the homecoming. North Carolina A and T, one of the most popular HBCUs in the country. Look who's performing at one of their homecomings. NCCU, HBCU. Look who's performing at their homecomings. I went to public school. I went to High Point, North Carolina. Look it up. Look, 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 like, like I'm. <clears throat> you really can't. You just can't say that. You can't say that. You, like I'm not the guy you can say that to. <laughs> so I take away all the arguments. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. What's your audience like now, though? It's conservative. So of course it's going to be um, majority white because. Still to this day in 2022, most black people vote Democrat, unfortunately. But the demographics are changing. That's what I will say. You see it in your own audience? I see it. I see it. At, at first, at first, you know, the first few shows, you probably couldn't even spot a black person. You know what I'm saying? I feel like that's a lot of conservative events, though. But when you come out, I'm talking about, even at the show Chicago, still majority, still majority like white, obviously. But when you look into the crowd, there's a lot of black folk out there singing every single word, every single song. I got a lot of I got a lot of people that that's from the south side of Chicago that say they like that they, they like my music too from old block you know what I'm saying so <clears throat> things are changing. Growing up, who was your favorite rapper? Tupac. Who, 
Tupac Shakur. Yeah. What's your favorite Tupac song? Me Against the World. <laughs> I was going to say Only God Could Judge Me, but nah, Me Against the World, easy, by far. And as an adult now, who's your favorite rapper, excluding yourself? Um, I listen to people like Tyson James, who's another Christian conservative rapper. I stopped listening to secular music uh, like two years ago. Um, because I feel like I was a hypocrite and they're preaching all this Bible stuff, but still like I changed my life, but I'm still like giving the streams to these people talking about killing murder, but I'm getting on Twitter talking about stop killing murder. And so, so I stopped listening to that stuff cause it, it rides your brain. Um, so I listen to people like Tyson James. Uh, sometimes I listen to Kanye, obviously, you know what I'm saying? But sometimes he still makes degenerate music too. So what, what are your thoughts on Kanye? This latest contra, well, let me define what latest, his White Lives Matter t-shirt controversy. I love it. And I, the reason why I love it, because I understood off the rip what he was doing. You see what I'm saying? He was exposing what was happening. Because they know, if you ask Kanye West, does he think saying White Lives Matter is stupid? He'll say, yeah. He'll say, yeah. But the whole point was to first start a conversation, expose hypocrisy, and then let you know that to show you how stupid something is. Because if you watch his interview, he said, uh, and I see this all the time. You go to a Black Lives Matter rally, <clears throat> the ones I've been to, mostly white people with Black Lives Matter shirt. I was just in a Chick-fil-A drive-thru. I got Trump stickers and stuff on the back of my car. I saw a lady, white lady with blue hair, all that. You saw like 10 Black Lives Matter stickers on her car. <laughs> so Kanye was like, why do, you, why do we need to know our life matters? Of course our life matters. He was like, so he felt disrespected by it. So he's like, okay, I'm black. I'm wearing a White Lives Matter shirt. You need to know your, your life matters too, Dan. <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm saying? I, I think a lot of like white people to put those signs out in front of their yard, to put them stickers on their cars, it, it's like ADT. It's like, please don't rob me. I'm on your team. <laughs> that, literally, that, that's, what, <laughs> that's all it is. They, they used to put beware dogs out there. Now they let me put Black Lives Matter in this home. Yeah. <laughs> now, they got the one where it says, uh, it's like seven things. You know what I'm talking about? It's yeah, in front of yeah, yeah. Else. Love is love. Black Lives Matter here. I was like, well, I got to chill. Yeah, we affirm X, Y, and Z <laughs> and the whole alphabet mafia. Yeah. You can come sodomize my husband and my kids. <laughs> Uh, and I'm not. I'm gonna look the other way. Yeah, they're, they're, <laughs> they put all that out there. Literally. <laughs> uh, have you met Donald Trump? No, I haven't met him. Cause I, when you go to these, I mean, you, I bet you've been to a lot of these events. When Donald Trump actually come down to meet people, people will run somebody over to go meet him. Man, I'm like, I'm already in the White House. I'm seeing him speak. That's good enough for me. I, I'm not about to. Walk oh, you've over. been to the White House. <clears throat> Yeah, I've seen Trump speak personally multiple times. I met Mike Pence when he was cool. Um, but all the times with Trump, you got you to gotta actually be like super assertive and you got to be willing to run up and run people over. I'm not that type of guy. Were you ever close to going to January 6th? Oh, no, I was there. Oh, you were there? I wasn't close. I was in the building. Not in the building. Literally, FBI. You already came to my house once. I wasn't in the building, but I was in the building, meaning, you know. You were at the, yeah. And the FBI came and asked you questions? Yeah, it was just because... I was popular on the internet because they when they when they came, they didn't even know where I live. So they didn't know my personal address. This is when I was still living in North Carolina. So they I had to drive 30 minutes to my parents' house because that's where they went. And um the first thing they said is, we know you weren't inside the Capitol. We had your phone, you know, tapped the whole time. Um, obviously. And then I said, So why y'all here in the first place? They had a folder. They knew every gun I had. And in North Carolina, you could do private sales. 
And like two of my guns are private sales and they knew I had those guns. So that was very weird. They had they had quotes from my live streams. They said they watched all 37 of my live streams. They had quotes saying I supported what happened. I said, oh, I definitely support what happened. Yeah, uh, well, hold, hold on. If the FBI is watching, January 6th was awesome. Thank you. Uh, based, yo, based. <laughs> Finally, somebody that doesn't condemn it. Ooh, I was so angry at so many conservatives afterwards, man. Cause then it was the best, best times of my life. Like even when we got tear gas, I loved it. It hurt, but it was fun. Yeah, no. It, look, there's certain things that I'll never apologize for. And again, I wasn't there on January 6th, but I think it's a travesty that they got these people locked up in dungeons for going to tell them white politicians what they thought of them. Because uh, I love how they done turned this into some racial thing. A bunch of white people show up and yep. go yell at white people, yep. and I'm supposed <laughs> to be offended. And, and, and <laughs> I'm telling you, hey, listen, January 6th, I miss it. Me and me and uh, Forgiato Blow was just talking about it, man. I miss it, man. That Them times, because I didn't go just January 6th. I was at every all like the three rallies leading up to it. Because the Million MAGA March was was actually more like I don't know if it was more people than January 6th. The Million MAGA March was lit. I was in the streets for all of them. And so, how are you treated? And I'm mean, again, you're Bryce, and everybody knows you as the rapper. But maybe some of your friends you go with that are black. How are you treated at those events? Uh, oh, oh, it's crazy. It's crazy. My mama came out the one. She was shocked. It took us an hour to walk t- to walk to a t- place that was a 10 minute walk. It took us an hour because everybody taking pictures. People knew my mama. You know, some people asked where your dad at. Because me and my dad, we debated on InfoWars like three, four times. <laughs> with Alex Jones? Yeah. Oh, okay. With Owen Schroyer mostly. He'll bring me and my dad on just to debate topics about the news. My daddy crazy. But, um... Yeah, man, they, they, my mama saw it for the first time. My dad finally saw it for the first time in Chicago. He was never able to get to one of the shows or one of the events. He saw it in Chicago. He was like, dang, that's crazy. What's next? Well, we, we did the, we're trying to do a God Save America tour. We're trying to take it to other places. Uh, we, did, we tried out Chicago because it was a liberal place. And I said, if we could pull a lot of people in a liberal place, we should be able to do it anywhere. And uh, it was like 400, 500 people there, packed. It, it was it was it was incredible. So we're trying to take that to do something like culture related for the conservative movement. Because all these all these mainstream conservatives, man, they don't know how to tap into culture. They so weird, man. That's what we're trying to do with Fearless and this show. And I'm going to ask you, we got an event coming up on January the 7th. Mm. I would love for you uh, if we can work it out. You can come, maybe do a song or so. Let's do the, it. The, uh, I, I don't, I hate to, should I say this? I'm going to invite you back here in two weeks, in 13 days. Mar- Marjorie Taylor Greene is coming in town to do an event for me here. Okay. I don't know if you've met her before, but. I, I don't think I've ever met her. I've been uh, in the same room with her, but you know how that goes. Uh, but I would like for you to meet her. Yeah. Uh, and then, I don't, I'd like to, uh, well, I'm not going to say who else might will be here. But I'll tell you off the air. But okay. I, I definitely, I want to get in your energy stream. You're young. I'm an older dude. Uh, that you know, I, I, I kind of want to ride your wave a little bit and offer you to ride mine a little bit as well. Because I, I love what you're doing. I love Thank your you. energy. Uh, I, I got a long history with rappers, and we talked earlier about Tech Nine. I come from Kansas City. Lived there for 16 years, and uh, did a lot of different things. I was. I think Tech's album called K.O.D. Mm-hmm. I'm on that album. 
Uh, what? Yeah. Uh, it, playing a bit, it's a bit role skit, but anyway, I like music. I'm like you. I've walked away from most secular music. Uh, it's hard for me to give up the Isley Brothers. Same thing with uh, Tupac, man. <laughs> hey, on the way to Chicago, my daddy tried to play that Tupac, and I was trying to ignore him, but I'm like, man, this is Pac, though. <laughs> <laughs> I, that, rap is a bit easier for me to give up. Mm-hmm. The R&B is, is really hard. Uh, yeah. Isley Brothers, Jodeci, you know, I'm 55, so I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a little, quite a bit older than you, but... Uh, Hard to give up, but you know, you fill yourself up with so much gospel music or Christian rap. But you know who Bizzo is? Bizzle, you and me him follow each other. Oh, I love, yeah. I love Bizzo as a song popping. Oh, you're popping? Yeah. Yeah, you and me him talked on the phone other, like two weeks ago. Like, we talked on the phone for like an hour. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, Bryson, man, thank you so much uh, for coming by. I hope this won't be the last time you're on the show. Uh, just appreciate you, man. Appreciate what you're doing and wish you well. Thank you for having me on. Whenever you want me, I'm like 30 minutes away, man. You can just hit me up. Perfect. Yes, Perfect. sir. All right. Uh, they should be playing some harmony. And that means we'll see you tomorrow. Stop fighting and stand tall. We used to be a nation, one united. Now we're headed for downfall. Gotta let your light shine down. Tell us, cause together we're so much stronger. God, let your light shine down. What we need more than anything now. Let's make a simple vow. Let's come together now. Put all your weapons down. Get to me Open up your eyes and see